Hey, welcome to Journey to Truth Podcast. Tonight we have on Barry Littleton. Barry is an ET experiencer. He's been having experiences since the age of seven. And anymore, he's trying to do the research to scientifically back up some of the profound experiences he's had uh, and some of these some of this technology he's seen and he's trying to explain some of this and relay the message without sounding crazy <laughs> uh so anyway thanks for coming on barry uh how are you doing my pleasure thank you for having me i appreciate it i'm doing oh. well just getting over a little bit of a virus but i'm still here <laughs> yeah yeah no no but we've been looking forward to this one uh Ever since East City, where we met you, actually, yeah. Um, Thank you. And, and actually, to be to be honest, prior to that, I was unaware of who you were. So when you when you presented, I your story blew me away. I, I was like, man, this is like Same. this is like Corey Good level stuff. <laughs> yeah. <Same. laughs> like, yeah. Whoa, this is awesome. Yeah, cool. it, it was it, it, it was very cool. I mean, some of the stuff you you were explaining, you just you just can't make that up. It was it was really cool. Which, by the way, uh, well, before we get into that, I was just curious, uh, what we what was it like for you to finally actually meet Corey and be able to talk to another experiencer who has something similar? Oh wow, interesting. You know, I'll tell you, um, in all honesty, all right, so much controversy surrounds him that that's a bit of a turnoff to me. And I went into that situation with that kind of an attitude. I mean, not a whole lot, but kind of just, I didn't know, like, what am I walking into? Is it a cult thing? Yeah. Is it people getting uh, put into a, I mean, all the stupid stuff that you hear that surrounds that? It's really just a waste of time. So I didn't know what, and so I've always got to ask about him and a couple other people, but I, I never met him. So I can't judge somebody else's experiences. And I knew when I met him, I would know. Because if somebody else is another contactee, they kind of emit this thing that I call Artron energy that I stole from Doctor Who. But Artron energy, I think, is actually when you get around some of these technologies that are grown or go through these wormholes, or you have the beings that go through these wormholes themselves, they emit this energy, this type of high energy. And I think that's something that we're experiencing that we're on board these craft it radiates our, our cells. And so when I get around another experiencer, another person that has that vibe, I can sense it. You know what I mean? So I knew yeah. when I met him, he had that vibe. I know if he was real or not. And first thing when I meet him, he comes, runs up, starts hugging me, and I got a good read on him. It was the way to, out of that, he's an experiencer. I could, I could feel it. Nice. So I can't say, I, I don't know all, all, all of his information, but I'll tell you, we talked for hours, and the stuff that he relayed with me was far beyond blue avians. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It was really good information. And I think it's a shame that he's not a, allowed to get that out, you know, because I mean, he wasn't all what mm -hmm. I expected at all. And uh, we talked for hours. It was quite enjoyable, to be honest with you. And um, some of his pr perspectives really should be heard in terms of the knowledge he's offering up. He would like, we did, we did a, a video on, um, Black extraterrestrials that was actually important to me also. I so, actually saw that. I saw that video. It was really good. Did you like it? Oh, yeah, it was great, man. man. You know, it was it, it was so it was fun to do, and he by no means said, "Well, hey, I'll do this video with you and ask him." But uh, 
uh, you, you got to join my cult. I mean, come on. <laughs> you got to join the cult. There was, there was nothing like that at all. But I mean, it was really cool. The only thing he said that kind of made me crack up, we were walking back to the other side of the property there. Yeah. He goes, well, you got to get ready for something. I said, what's that? He says, well, since you don't hate me, they're going to say that I converted you to the cult. So he stops <laughs> walking. He looks at me. He's got these big old, this big glass. He looks at me. He said, Barry, so whatever happens, please don't stop eating chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing, man. I don't know if he's joking or not, but it was so funny, man. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's, that's, that's how I, that's what they're going to say. They're say I got you like that. That's so, you know. <laughs> oh, that's but, great. <laughs> but on the serious note, that and I mean, especially some of the stuff he was laying about the moon, about the temporal war, and mm -hmm. I'm aware of a temporal war because my guides and my team has taught has, has spoken this before. So things oh, yeah. like certain things he was saying that were really dead on. And personally, I'm an experiencer, a contactee, definitely, but it's not of the militant type. I've never been part of the military. I've not been. Um, uh, I don't have family in the military. Despite what some of the people were saying after the Edge of Wonder interview I did. No, I've not been MK Ultra. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, I yeah, know. I didn't but, um, but yeah, yeah, but getting to meet someone who has been a part of the military and dealt with that and that type of experience was really cool and be able to bring that together, man, that's important. That's why I'm kind of doing this anyway. So I think uh if that if that answers your question. Oh absolutely I, I wasn't even aware that that rumor was going around after the Edge of Wonder video. I didn't either. Yeah, that's that's really weird. Did I've been MK Ultraed? Yeah, yeah. It's just just a few people that threw that out at me, and it's I, I get I, I take some arrows sometimes. No big deal. I mean, overall, that was a wonderful interview, and I've never got so many positive responses of all the interviews I've done. That was a big one. So nice. Oh sorry. yeah. Great. It was really cool. Any, anything with Edge of Wonder now, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're becoming largely known. So, yeah. You know, I ate, ate, ate with dinner, quite a few dinners with those guys. And they, they got a lot of information. A yeah. Lot of yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. They really do. Yes. They're just really good researchers and investigators. Like, they're very good at, at that and then presenting it in a really, in a way that's very, just good just, they're they're just really good they're yeah they're yeah i'll tell you the, some some of the stuff they're presenting like around the the child uh child pornography thing that's going on and child mm -hmm. murdering and things like that it was yeah. even way beyond the scope of what i was aware of it was just horrible but, oh it is yeah, it's very Same. informative to know you know it's like man so it's, i'm glad somebody's out there tackling that stuff yeah yeah, and now and now they're getting heat from the mainstream you know yeah. there's a whole smear campaign going on trying to trying to make them look, you know, trying to discredit everything they're doing. Uh, yes. Did you hear about that? Uh, no. You know, I, I got to be honest, guys. I, well, just before I left the ranch, I got stopped by these, uh, these two guys. I, I won't mention their names. They're really cool, though. You know who they are. And they said, we've been following your, your work, your YouTube channel for a long time, and you really like it, but you got shadow banned. I looked at what the heck is that? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <Exactly. what? laughs> yeah. So we noticed now your, 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 your videos don't come up on the search engines anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't get distributed the way they did. 
Yeah. And also, um, a people that are you're already your subscribers won't get dinged when you put out new videos. Correct. It's a way to discourage you. It's it, we're and having the same. Because look, yeah. look, look at your look at your numbers. So they're looking at the numbers, and I noticed it went from like thousands of views like down to a few hundred. And yeah. I thought it's because I talked about traumatic brain injury for a whole month of April for support <laughs> month, and it just turned people off. But uh, apparently it's something else. So I didn't know what that was. And then uh, it's YouTube across the guys start telling me. Across oh man, the they start telling me about. They're saying, "Don't say these words, that word." I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> yeah, and any <laughs> channel YouTube, any channel YouTube deems as like a conspiracy channel, which anything UFO basically, anything ET UFO gets, they lump into that. Uh, they've been shadow banning. They've been censoring. They've been even subscribers going numbers going down we had that happen to our channel like subscriber numbers just start going down we're like who's unsubscribing well and and, it, and you know at first like we kind of thought it might have been people just didn't like the last podcast yeah. but then it's i started noticing it was friends and family like hey i quit getting your notification they even noticed they would be unsubscribed and they yeah. never unsubscribed yeah i literally talked to some people that, that happened and at one point, we watched the views, the video views, actually go backwards. Like somebody was like, "Take that too." Like, how do you? You I can't. Saw that too, man. I, I thought it was my imagination. I said, like, "I can't be seeing this <laughs> right." And then people were, were like, "I'd be on an interview, and so I'm in an interview with you, and it's like it got like <laughs> went reversed." Yeah. I kept thinking that can't be possible, but I was seeing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. You know. It's a shame that we're at a point right now, and everyone talks about disclosure so much. But it really is happening right now, but not the way that everybody thinks. Mm -hmm. These conferences, these, these these interviews, these new platforms we're all starting to get that's creating a more global communication is really, really starting to change things, you know? Because yeah. I'll be honest, fellas, I thought it would be long out of this by now. I uh, first spoke out uh, five years ago. My mother had passed. And I thought it was with uh, Peter Maxis Slattery from Australia. And I said, well... Everybody seemed like I kind of got pushed into doing an interview. I said, man, okay, at least he lives in Australia. Nobody's going to hear it. I'll be done with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Here you are. Yeah, I'll be done Obviously. with this. <laughs> no, you're still going. Your guides had different plans for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, that's it's part of your mission now. Yeah, I never thought I'd be doing a podcast with yeah. amazing <laughs> guests on every week. And here, here I am with Tyler doing this. Um, so one of the one of the questions I was I've been wanting to ask you. I I've know you talked about your near death experience a couple times, uh, and I don't know if that kicked off. Like you, I, I don't I I actually would just want you to go if you're interested in going into more detail on what that experience involved, uh, because that's just fascinating stuff to me. Sure. I'll tell you what, and I think it's it's good to, to merit that this happened long after my experiences. This happened 10 years ago, nine years ago. Um, I was actually on my way to work and uh, with my great uh, intelligence, wasn't wearing my seatbelt. It's only about a three block trip. And I got I got hit and went through uh, about basically half of the windows in my little Trans Am. And I took four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries. Ooh. Um, one was a hematoma to the frontal lobe, hematoma to the medulla, hematoma to the uh, quarter lobe, and then diffusal axonal, which is like a shaken baby syndrome. So um, I died on the way 
actually to the hospital. When I say that, it's at a point to where your brain is no longer able to regulate your um, pulmonary system. So mm -hmm. your heart starts shutting down. You start not being able to breathe. That happened to me. Okay. So wow. then after that, uh, after actually being brought back, I was in a coma for about, oh gosh, man. It was about uh, 13 days, 12 days. Wow. And then after that, it took it about a month and a half to remember who I was. And when I say that, to remember my pattern of decision-making. So that was a life-changing event for me by all means, you know. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's put it to you like this. I like kind of from the eighties, you know, in the eighties, you see there those movies where somebody hits their head and they kind of are knocked out and they see some clouds and they're like, Oh, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's just not like that. I promise you. <laughs> not like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, but during that, um, what happened is I actually had the near death experience. Yeah. The second part of it. All right. Was I saw loved ones. My uncle had just died a couple of days before I had this accident. We just buried him. And I saw my grandmother and her friend, right, which was um, very real, like talking to you guys now. It wasn't like some vision. It's like I was there talking to them. Uh, yeah. And my uncle said something that scared me and kind of woke me up. And But anyway, point being, after all this is over, before I could even fully remember who I was, when I woke up, in my mind's eye, I could still see these angelic forms. I'll call them angels or supernatophim, uh, a word the Uranta book uses, supernatophim. I think that's more accurate. These are very high. These weren't physical beings. These were light beings, all right? Like, imagine a thousand strands of individual light. And I saw different ones. I saw four ones, four, four different colored ones. Wow. Right? So that's uh, something that I could still see. I could still feel these beings and see them. So then even after I remembered who I was, this was still with me a lot. And the reason why this kind of coerced me into coming forward is that I've dealt with, through childhood, other experiences that are non-humans of some type, either interdimensional or extra galactic, all right? And they're very high vibration also. And when I say that, and I know people get upset when I say sometimes, but sometimes their consciousness seems like it's a little, quite a bit more evolved than ours, mm -hmm. right? Oh, sure. By the same token, these beings were nowhere near the same as these angelic forms I saw when I died. And I know that these angelics channeled the people's energy that were praying for me, the prime creator, uh, created uh, healing energy so that I could, I could be healed. Because I've defied all things of being cognizant and being able to talk to you right now. I promise you that. That's something that a lot of people tripped out on. But I know there's just other things involved. But nonetheless, I wanted to know, what, you know why is there such a difference between... Because these angelic forms were almost... I can almost call them regal. And they were emitting so much light and so much pure love coming off them. I swear to you, just a little bit more, I think, would have actually burned up probably my chakras or burned up my body really? i don't think we can take so much of that yeah you don't wow. think of love being able to hurt in that way but i think some of them has to be contained when exposed to us you just know, by I've, love frequency alone. i've heard the same thing from from other people and other sources yeah they say like if your whole higher self were to um, come into your physical body your whole body would just disintegrate because it couldn't it couldn't contain that much light or whatever yeah 
with yeah, 3D, yeah. 3D bodies not not designed, it's not programmed to handle that. Yeah, it's, so only a tiny part of it can actually inha- inhibit, and that's what, because the higher self's like your oversoul essentially, and then, and then a tiny part of that is what inhibits the physical body. Yeah, you know, you know, so, something that had kind of jerked my chain a little bit was I spent years doing spiritual practices to try to evolve my consciousness and awareness to a point of where I went directly to the prime creator at the point of death and skipped a lot of these other, these, these other levels and really? stayed aware. Now I'll tell you with all that practice and everything I did, but when I got hit and got jacked, I was up there laying up there. And a lot of times, man, my butt was out. <laughs> I mean, I oh, was yeah. out. I, mean, I was out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know it was, probably processing things a lot of things my brain was processing and doing but I can't fully recall all of them so that means that when the death process hit me I still experienced I'm a firm believer that the death process wants our life memories and that's what it takes from us when it hits us and when it impacts us and I was trying to survive that but yet when the death process impacted me still I found that I was kind of encountering that uh I think maybe maybe it's the Christian Bible that calls it uh, the sleep of death. There's a sleep that comes with death. I encountered that. So I was not fully aware the whole time like I should have been for all the spiritual practices and accumulation of energy and awareness I was doing. Mm. Make sense at all? Or is that too yeah. far left? No, <laughs> no, no. It does. What I find interesting about the whole near-death experience is it seems like the doctors and always tell the family or you know oh, he's not going to remember anything blah 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 they, they always give you the worst case scenario but my stepfather uh was declared dead three separate times while he was in the hospital and he came back with a near-death experience they, and they told him he was never going to be able to walk again never going to be able to have lose all his memory but None of that was true. He came back like nothing ever happened except he had this memory of the near-death experience. And it sounds like that's what happened with you. Like you just defied everything they told you wasn't possible. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, they told my family when I didn't stay dead, I guess, that to be prepared, I'd be a vegetable. Yes. Most devoid of long-time life memories especially, right? Now, I'll throw something extra in for you, right? Uh, One of the things I suffered was diffusal axonal, which means that my brain had actually turned in the case. Okay, and they said if it didn't turn back, most likely I would die from the swelling. Well, there was a well-known clairvoyant in my city that came to see me while I was in the coma. Now, I've known this lady and met this lady when I was 16, and for years we've dealt with each other off and on, you know? Don't always get along, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she came to see me, and um, I had called her after I was out of the hospital and well again. And I said, I, you know, I, had a, I, had, I want to talk to you about some of the NDE. So when I, I go to her house, and she starts telling me that uh, she says, you know, when I walked into your, your room, they let me go back there. And I tried to clear the energy. And uh, it was, as soon as I walked in, she described seeing six angels in this room. I remember four that I could see in my mind's eye. She described six. She said each one that spoke to her, it was telepathically a different language that came along with musical notes of a type. 
And he said, when she walks in, there's this yellow one there. I remember the yellow one. And she says, he says that you're going to make a hundred percent recovery. And she said, I never doubt the angels, but you look pretty bad. You know, and I was like, okay, okay. And she says, um, she says, and in the next angel, there was one, the next one was above you and he was massaging your brain. She said, I don't know what he was doing. He was massaging your brain. He was doing something. And there were others working on uh, one on the lower, my lower neck, the other on my lower back and the other ones watching them. She described six. Now dig this. So one morning they call my family and tell them, uh, something's happened. His brain turned in the case. Turned back. So, so yes. Yeah, so what she was seeing was this angelic form trying to turn my brain in the case. Wow. And for anyone that wants to dispute that, look up diffuse axonal and look up what the turning of the brain in the case is that I'm talking about. It's very real. So just food for thought, if nothing else. Wow. Wow. I'll tell, tell, tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm the poster child for click it or lose it now. Good Lord. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's oh, funny. Man. That's funny. No, but it's, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in, in all that. I've I just, you know, I've, I've had my own experiences and it, this stuff is happening. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's happening and it sounds so out there sometimes, but really you, you just can't, you can't make it up. I mean, yeah. you know, okay. I started, I became friends with, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Ray Hernandez is from the free foundation, the uh, foundation for research and extraterrestrial encounters from under uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell thing. They've done a really nice studies over experiencers. I mean, advanced, good studies over experiencers. They put together a book. Um, but uh, they something that they really correlated together is how similar it is to people that have lifetime experiences and near-death experiences, how those two go hand in hand. Like even at his setting where they remember when I first started speaking, I said, how many people here have had an NDE? And I don't know, at least 140 people I could see out there, 120. Wow. And at least 40 people raised their hands. And each time I've been there, it's been like that. So it kind of lets you know, like, wow, that's kind of what, what, what comes along with this near-death experience, extraterrestrial contact, yeah, mediumship. That, that many <laughs> people, wow. So <clears throat> I wanted to talk about uh, some of the actual experiences of you being up on these craft. Uh, one of the things that struck me was because I've had a similar experience that you talked about the, the G-force kind of that, that come that feeling that comes along with it, like being on that roller coaster or whatever. I've, I've actually had experiences and woken up back in my bed where I've actually still experiencing that physical pain. Uh, and, and I've just, and I hadn't hit, heard anyone else talk about that until you said that. So I was wondering if you could touch on that a little more. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, th and this is the, the, the term that they gave me, okay? Temporal aphasia. And what that's got to do is that when, when you're actually on the craft, like for me, even when I first got, like the first adult experience I had, um, that I talked about that one quite a bit, when I actually went into the craft, all right? And then it auto automatically, it starts feeling strange. You just feel a little bit strange. And there's this, this device on the, on the side of the wall that's a black cube 
but it's like this, it almost looks like a, a tire wheel or spokes going, holding it up, but it's like at a 90 degree angle or something like that on the wall. And when I start looking up at it, that's the first time it really started, like this, this feeling. And to me, I say it feels like being on a, a merry-go-round merry or like on a on roller coaster when you're going down and G-forces are pulling you down. Yeah. It feels quite similar to that. There's also a kind of a mist on most of the rooms I've been on on these ships that smells like a type of Windex or maybe ammonia, but it makes the breathing not very that comfortable either. Really? So the problem is you've got the inside and outside of the craft are not in the same dimension. So even oh. though the inside is enough third dimensional corporeal that you and I can exist there, but yet they can exist there kind of half phased out as well. But yet that is not the same as being in the third dimension like we are right now. So it creates this distortion that your body picks up and it becomes is kind of like, I don't know if I want to call it allergic or what, but it's a very much a feeling of being just dizzy all the time, nausea, uh, smelling that stuff. Then you're getting telepathically bombarded and that just makes it hard to exist there. And it makes me, a, I myself believe that, uh, well, from my experience, I couldn't have lived there and existed there that long. Just, it just doesn't work like that. Well, it's, a, it, it's an entirely different frequency. I mean, your body, yeah, like you said, our bodies aren't designed to handle that. Uh, and Corey has actually spoken about that too. Like it, I remember one of his interviews, he was like, this isn't like the pleasant experience people think it is. Like he, he had to reassure people, like reconfirm or just confirm that, reaffirm, whatever I'm trying to say. Uh, he goes, it's actually very uncomfortable for your body to be on these craft. It's not anything pleasant. You, you know, I had, I had this experience in the sixth grade that I call the acid rain experience because it involved that. But it was, you know, def definitely confirmed everything that I knew was real anyway. But I, my thought was after that, I was, okay, the next time something like this happens to me, I'm going to grab a piece of equipment. I'm going, you know, I, I'm, going, I'm going to grab something that I can bring with me that proves this happened to me. But you know, the truth is, during the experience, I'm so impaired by temporal aphasia, I'm not much of a threat to anybody. I'm not much on <laughs> succeed, successfully making out this drawn out plan to steal a piece of technology. It just, it just doesn't work like that. Just being able to perceive what's around you without throwing up or passing out is a major accomplishment. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And, and what you were saying makes a lot of sense, Tyler, because um, when you come back, it seems like at first there's like kind of maybe it's, it lasts for a second, but then there's this elation that comes afterwards. Like you kind of just hype, man. I'm like, Oh man, you know, this has happened and you feel all charged up. Then maybe after that, oh, I don't know how many hours later, but after that, you're <laughs> for about <laughs> for about a day, you're wiped out. Oh, I'm sure. You just sleep a little sure. bit, you know, maybe a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. I think that's just the body adjusting to being. What is it really like to be on a multi-dimensional ship without all the hype and all the stuff we hear in the mainstream? What is it really like, though? You know. Yeah, yeah. and I think one of the things that's that's important to mention is that. 
a lot of these craft are organic, like you've like you've described. This isn't the type of technology that we're we would expect to see from our military. This is these are like living living uh, craft that are actually connected to the being. To actually, the craft itself is a being, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like the yeah. same consciousness of the being who pilots it per se. Yeah, for that as well. And, and that's how they're able to to pilot it with their mind telepathically because they're connected to that being so yeah what, what i was shown is that there's a compound all right that involves using minerals and quasi crystals and those type of compounds from planets that are devoid of sometimes atmospheres but also van allen belts and what they do is they get bombarded by so much cosmic radiation that the metals there have resistance that we're unaware of here Okay, they mm -hmm. take that, they also use a type of a fungus. There's all types of fungus, it was a type of funguses combined with the DNA from parts of the crew members, just the DNA itself. All that is taken together and grown over a micro wormhole. Okay, so these things are actually grown in deep space. Wow. And that kind of changes things quite a bit, you know, but that also allows the crew members to have a symbiotic connection with the craft itself and for the craft to be sentient. And that also takes us into the area of craft that are able to reproduce themselves. Yeah. Most entities can do that. And why a lot of these crafts I've been on didn't have windows as well. So we start thinking about these multiple alliances working together and you've got a craft like that. You've also got some of these, these civilizations that are type two, type three, but they're on the pico scale, on the micro scale. Okay, so you're dealing with things that are <laughs> a whole nother level. You start yeah. dealing with the thought of a, of a mega structure, but you've got like, like give example, Dr. Lear pulled some of those uh, implants from people and he found that some of the carbon nanotubes that are in them were like miles long. Wow. So if you have that and that, can you imagine if you go a, a civilization beyond that into the Pico, what their civilization would be like if they actually built built a mega structure over their solar system? They're gonna they're gonna be contacting people like us, civilizations like us from inner space, like Martin Short. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> yeah. You know, but they're, they're gonna be coming from inner space though, you know what I mean? Opposed to the ways we're familiar with contact. Yeah, and I think that's very important right now. But when you're looking at other civilizations that may help to construct another craft, to grow another craft within another, I think we're getting into that type of a realm. That's heavy, but it is what it is, you know. Well, it's not. It's not that far out there. I've I've actually heard listened to so many whistleblowers and people come forward, and and uh, some of these people who claim to be as far the wreckage retrieval teams that, that within our, you know. Uh, militaries the the secret military whatever but they say that one of the things they learned is instead of removing the bodies at first they would remove the bodies from the craft and the body they would die because they actually coexist with the craft and when you remove them, the craft when they're wounded the craft actually keeps them alive 
So they realized that they they had to they were they can't touch these bodies wherever they are if they're if they're staying alive they <clears throat> that it's most likely due to the fact that they're the craft is keeping them alive. Mm-hmm. Do you guys happen to remember I showed um and it's one of the few groups of beings that gave me a name. I normally don't get any names or anything, but the Andromedans, these these the blue guys with the white stripes. Yeah. And they're yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I, I was somewhat obsessed with those white stripes because they felt as mobile as they had these little sticks they were holding with these crystals on them with these fiber optics coming off of them. But they seemed to be the, the, the lines in their on their suits seemed to be as alive as the fiber optics of what they were holding. You know what I mean? Then they're telling me that that's actually connected to the ship itself. That fiber, that type of whatever, and I guess it's way beyond fiber optics, but that's what it kind of looked like to me. All right, so that's kind of part of the nervous system. I think we they may be using as a symbiotic uh, uh, nervous system with the ship. I think just thought for, food for thought. Interesting. Know. No, that yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, if it's not the body, but the suit as well. I mean, that's how they control these craft, anyways, with with thought. It's the same way they talk, which actually you said you've experienced the telekinetic conversations, correct? I mean, that that's how you talk to them. Have you actually been able to take that outside of these experiences and use that telepathy like in here in the 3D world? Well, you know, that's that's the way it happens for me for the most part. For the most part, my physical experience has stopped at about 28 years old. And I mean, and I, I mean, I try to just, they just, they just stopped for the most part, but then they change it to a different way, which is them giving me tons of communication, uh, rather if it's coming just before dream time or during meditation, or they're just boom, hit me out of nowhere. You know what I mean? But you know, when tele- telepathically, it's them communicating with you. And yeah. I'll tell you, honestly, I thought I was fully done with my physical experiences until 2016. And I went out to that that blasted a SETI ranch <laughs> to do my first, that was the first time I went there to present was in 2016. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, fellas, I got perceptually blasted out there the first time I was there. I had three things happen out there that just stopped my world totally. Oh, so yeah. I can't say I'm, I'm completely out of that realm all the way. Like it might be depend on where you go if you're around something like that, uh, that device out there that's helping keep consciousness going. Well, I mean, yeah. is he, is he said he even in the third dimension? That's that's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think I think the property, but the stuff inside of the mountain is not. Yeah, you've right. got you've got those Absolutely. you've got those the device in there. You've got entities in there. You've got a singularity in there. And that that that's what really just changes the whole scope of that whole place out there. And, you know, it's too bad. I, I hear a lot of people want to slam the place and want to slam James. And James is a nice nice guy. He really is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but uh, it's unnecessary. And the people that slam it, most of them that I've noticed, they haven't even been out there. They've never been there. They don't know anything about it. Yeah. You know, I- <laughs> yeah. It's like. <laughs> But James says, he's like, have you ever been here? Have you ever met me? Have you ever? Not, never. They they just want to be armchair. Yeah. <clears throat> Critics. Because, you know, because, yeah, the first time I went up there, I'm like, man, I, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, oh, I don't want to ring any any crystal bowls and go see an iridium <laughs> flare. You know what I mean? But that's that. <laughs> yeah. 
but it, that isn't what's going on out there. There's a lot of good activity. And more than that, I think if you're open, the land will accept you and give you something that will be one, a chance to heal, another two, something that will help you to carry on your perception or expand your perception. And I think that's what we're dealing with is a type one civilization device out here that's been on earth for a long time that's still functioning. So our question is how many others are starting to function or wakening up right now? You know, there are other places on earth like that, but just food for thought, you know. And, <laughs> and one of the things that James says is that he, when you leave the ranch and go to the ba base of the mountain and try and look for these lights, you don't see them, but you see them from the ranch. It's, it's like, it's like the filter is removed when you're, when you're actually on that ranch to, to be able to see and experience all of the stuff. Yeah. Totally. I, I did, I did a video with uh, John Favanko from the right hemisphere remote viewing. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, that awesome. out, man. He had some fat, I've been wanting to meet him anyway, but he had some fascinating stuff to say when they tasked the mountain itself. Cause uh, I, I mean, I got blasted so hard the first time I was out there in 2016, I wouldn't have myself a hypnotic regression done before I went to go speak the second time in 2017. I just couldn't go out there without knowing fully what my super consciousness had recorded from the experiences I had out there. I mean, yeah. just it's just one thing, just, just to get over hearing the Sasquatch yelling between those mountains out there, and it's mm. no joke, nice. it, just to get over that yeah. is one thing. You know, I, was, well, I, I can't sleep at night, so I walk around a lot at night. You know, no one's up anymore. I feel like I'm being watched. Rocks getting thrown. I mean, weird stuff happening out there, man. You I, can't. Tyler, I, had, Tyler I, had some. I had a rock thrown at me out there walking around. I had, really? I had yeah, yeah, I had Sasquatch experience every day out there. I hey, knew was it was by the gate by any chance. Was that? Was it close to the gate? It actually was. Yeah, it, it was. It was fairly <sighs> close to the gate. Really close. That's where it happened to me. <laughs> well, uh, Tyler got woken up in his tent, which was right next to my tent. At what, 5 a.m., you said? Yeah. By a tree, like a stick well, hitting a tree? Well, no, that was that was late. The, the first time I got woken up was by a, a howl, like a... Oh, that, so they're two different. Yeah, it was I don't know, a Sasquatch, not a howl. What, I don't even know what to call it. There, there's no words to describe what Sasquatch I heard. Sasquatch noise. But it stood up every hair on my body, it, you know, and, but, and Aaron never heard it. But no, we heard tree knocks and footsteps and some grunting outside of our outside of our tent the next night, and it it, it it woke me and my girlfriend up. We jumped up. We heard all this stuff going on around the tent, and no one else heard it. It's like it's like they, it's like, like it's only meant for us, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. <laughs> you know, I, because for me, okay, for me, the first time I went out there, right, this in 2016, and. I'd say a week before, I was hanging out with my brother one night and I was putting my PDF together and stuff. And he's like, what are you doing, man? I was, I was actually just obsessing about albino Sasquatch, blonde Sasquatch. I just kept thinking about this. So I started looking up Thinker Thunker stuff on it, MK Davis. I mean, I was just going crazy on this. And then when actually getting out there, one is I'm not from that part of the United States. I was somewhat unprepared for how remote that place really was. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and once, once we get out there, um, and as soon as I get about just a little before the gate, man, I start feeling like I'm being watched. 
And then the whole time we get on there, I feel like I'm being watched. And I want, I want one of the deals for a brother going out there, a brother doesn't really care to camp. So I'd rather have conveniences if I can. So he put me in that yurt down there. And as soon as I get down to that yurt, man, it's, <laughs> and especially at night walking down there in the darkness, you feel like you're nothing but being watched all the time. Then there's broken <laughs> trees behind there. Then there were these rocks on my doorstep. I mean, stuff started, especially after the conference, stuff got so weird for me out there. That I thought that maybe James was playing games on me or tricks on me or something, but it wasn't him, and that, that proved later. But, I mean, man, that's just uh, – <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard some of the most – I you go live out there in that tent? Do you think you live out there in that tent that long <laughs> without, without actually seeing one or having even more activity? You know what oh, I mean? No, I, I would actually – I would sign up for it. I'd love to go stay out there. <laughs> I live in East Eddie. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but that's me. If you know how to cook, I think they were recently looking for a cook to come live out there. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I I'll tell you, I um as much as you know, I got I got telepathy mind speak from the one that referred itself to as elder out there the first year I was there. And when I say this, it's no joke. I know telepathy, all right. And this individual was a much stronger telepath than me. He, he was overwhelming me with emotion and imagery, like telethought, as he's doing it. And then he cuts the channel off. And when he cuts the channel off, I could not get it, stocking it back up. I couldn't do anything. He was back there creeping on me everywhere I was going on property. I'm watching other people, you know what I mean? I creep around. I just done a video on invisibility. And this this dude is out here using it on my own stuff on me. You know what I mean? So it makes you think. <laughs> I mean, it's really, to a certain degree, it's cool, but a little disconcerting. And I got to be honest, now that I'm back home, I can act tough. But the truth is, I'm out there. I'm not so sure I'm prepared to see one, especially yeah. when I'm, because you know, that, that's something that he thought happened for me. I'm walking back down to the yurt. It's, it's gotta be, oh gosh, fellas, it's like 3.45, it's late. You know, and I, I just turned off my flash. I said, hey, look, when I was back home, I said I wanted to have experience. That was just talk. I, it's really, <laughs> you guys, 10, 12, these, these branches that were pushed over for me in the back of that yurt were pushed over eight feet up. So whoever did it would have did it at chest, at chest level. That means they would have had to been pushing, pushing 10, 10 yeah. feet or taller. Yeah. And I said, if one of you guys steps out on me of the bushes and you're 10 feet tall, I'm going to just trip out. <laughs> so please don't do it. I said this verbally and tel telepathically. Really? I walked down and sat on the end of the yurt. I felt like an idiot, basically, you know, I just sat there <laughs> and before I could lay down, uh, I got hit with the telepathy. That was, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, we have a good primate exhibit here where I live. I've been near the, I think it's a silverback in there. Uh, he comes up to the window, very beautiful animal, but guess what? No, no telethon. So yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah not. Point, those are just animals. <laughs> no, they're ET. No, they're not just animals. <laughs> So how did how did you actually get involved with James? And be, I'm curious about that. Uh, well, you know, actually, it was Peter Maxwell Slattery. Um, Peter and him were good friends, and Peter was the first individual that got me to come forward and, and speak. 
is after um, Peter and I become friends after he put up his fourth regression with Mary Rodwell, and our his first regression, and I was having trouble with uh, my fourth encountered that some of the entities were speaking through myself to the to the hypnotist. I don't do channeling, all right, so that was a little bit disconcerting for me. And him and I hooked up like that, just talking about that. And uh, during like, I'm doing my stocks during the day on Twitter. But he was good friends with James. And one day he's like, uh, James, why don't you be on this show? So I was on there and it was really neat because I've been following James's work since I was in high school, since like 91. You know, oh, really? He's been, doing, he's been at it a long time. Yeah, what we really liked about him is, yeah, he, he talked about pure conscious craft and the crafts that were alive. So I liked what he was talking about a lot. And so I respect his work. And then I was talking to him and they invited me out there. So and that's in a couple times. And it was just a blessing. It was really cool. Unexpected, but cool, you know. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we were actually just on his uh, radio show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, we got we got approached. Didn't about, expect it at all. <laughs> I was like I expecting it, but it was it was <laughs> like yeah, totally. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. You know, he was he was much more down to earth than I thought he would be. You know, oh, he's super down to earth. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he kind of reminds me of where I come from. What we call the flower power generation. He's kind of one of them. Yeah, he's such a like down-to-earth cool guy he's just like you just want to hang out with him and have fun with him yeah 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 super cool and yeah. he's got a lot a lot of cool information he'll relay too when just his, yeah. little, his little little stories and stuff like that tons of, especially tons things of wisdom. like the, uh, yeah like like, like 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 the territory he said he's seen around the area there mm -hmm. or, or um paradactyl yeah actually i was hoping to see one when i was there yeah <laughs> You know, I'll tell you, when he describes that, he describes the creature itself and some of the other people that have seen it. And um, to me, it sounds a lot like one is a sentinel, like it's, it's behave, behaving like a sentinel for the mountain. And number two, I'm probably a little bit older than you guys. When I was a kid, we had the Transformers, but they had the Dinobots. And one of the Dinobots was named Swoop. And Swoop was a pterodactyl. Do you recall that at all? I'm just saying, technically speaking, it's very odd some of the things they say about that creature out there. I no. I'm not so sure. And I, and I haven't looked into it, but that makes sense. That, that, that does make sense, and it could be a possibility. And yeah. I, guess, I guess anything could be possible. Every, everything is possible. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it apparently there is. It's me to take you guys too much on the ranch. I start tripping oh, out no. on the ranch. Oh, no, no. <laughs> But it's crazy that like a pterodactyl, it's like it's it's supposed to be extinct, and then you see it, you see it there at the ranch. It's like in yeah, another. Well, you know, it's there's a, there's it still exists there. Pterosaurs, in America, which involves people thinking they still see the pterosaurs or pterodactyls or things of that nature. Uh, it's actually a little more common than we would think. The pilots say they see things like that and, you know, huge birds of that. Of that oh, yeah. Meaning. Yeah. It's interesting. Food for thought well, of nothing else. And, and, and another one is I forget what part of the world uh, people claim to see velociraptors still. Really? And, mm -hmm. and, he, and then Corey started talking about it on Cosmic Disclosure. He said, yeah, there's, there's a 
there's a uh, civilization of them that are still alive in in inner earth and yeah. they do, they do come to the surface to feed sometimes and uh, he goes this is where the sightings come from it's not it's not like an interdimensional being like a sasquatch it's, they actually are physically surviving still here within the planet is what he explained well you, you know i, I we, we, like i said we talked privately just him and i for a long time several times and some i asked him because i'm familiar a couple of things he stated when i'm like i was like man i've seen pictures of you in this huge uh royalty draconian he was around tell me about that so he did and when he said and it wasn't a story i would have expected you know what i mean he said yeah. that just they he was taking this building it was something different this building and they went down underneath into the basement and what he described, and I'm, I ever look on his face, man, you know, I, I won't forget it. He, he said, he said, when we went down, he goes, there was the most horrible smell of urine. Yeah. He said it was urine, the most horrible urine smell I've ever had, ever. And he said this thing came out from the back. And he had talked about how assaulting it was not just to see it and the size of it, but how much it was psychokinetically on him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. I mean, that's, I'll tell you that I'm them like a polygraph and that's a, that's pretty real. His description that was pretty real. Look on his face. Yeah. Pretty... He's either, he's either the greatest actor <laughs> or one of the greatest actors <laughs> ever. Yeah. or he's telling the truth, you know, like yeah. I just don't see, you just can't fake that real emotion and that, you know, when he's telling his stories, you can just tell like he, he is telling you, this is coming from his, you know, his heart and, yeah. and what he remembers. Yeah, like we, we sit there and talked. I said, you know, I said, I, when I first came forward, I said, man, I didn't, I didn't think anybody would believe me or listen to me. I didn't think I'd still be talking about this. And he looked at me, his eyes got real big. He said, man, I didn't think anybody would believe me. Mm -hmm. he, said, I, he said, I definitely didn't think I'd still be talking. He said, nobody. <laughs> you understand the stuff happening was crazy. And so, you know, and, that, and that's a deal there. You can pick up off somebody two people that really just didn't sure. expect to be where they're at right then, you know? And yeah. what, actually, what actually happened is quite the opposite. It, it is, I, it's, it's almost like you never expected this massive shift to be occurring. And, and then you guys being in the front line, uh, the, being in the front lines of this shift, uh, help, helping the mass public, the mass, you know, the people understand what's actually occurring. So, wow. and you know, and it's important to note, I think right now, and that's what was meeting him was cool because it brings more types of experiencers, contactees together. Some of us are contactees, some of us are abductees, but nonetheless, it's coming, bringing the community together. I think yeah. that is really, really, really important right now because so much gets involved with ego and stuff. Everybody's wants their experiences to be more than the other person's and that's that's irrelevant because right now I'm a firm firmly convinced that 85% of our population is having intense contact and it's most more than half is unaware of it. I this totally, stuff that are happening yeah. in the dream cycle, you know, in, in the subconscious, superconscious, even mm. the people who are just seeing a UFO for a few seconds, you know, a lot of communication can go down there superconsciously that we're unaware of. Mm -hmm. And the further we get away from the event horizons itself, the harder it is to kind of 
solidify those memories. You know yeah. what I mean? Very yeah. true. That's very true. I agree with you. I think so many more people are being contacted, you know, and yeah. it's, it's hard to recall. And we're in, and yeah, they know it. Yeah. Or, or they just write it off as, oh, that didn't happen or dream or hallucination or whatever. Yeah. They don't want to, mm-hmm. they don't want to feed it any more energy because they just were programmed to dismiss it. So, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, not of people have talked to me right now. So, well, can I talk to you about this and that? And they'll tell me a really intense contact experience. A lot of times it may have happened in their room. They wake up and a being is there and starts communicating with them, you know? Yeah. And then they also they'll say the same thing, but, you know, but I can't tell my husband about this. I can't tell my wife about this. Yeah. I'm sitting up there just kind of going like this, scratching my head, going, well, you know, did it happen? Well, he was he was laying right next to me, but he didn't see anything. You know, thinking to myself, you can't hide this. You yeah. guess you got people in a situation like that living together, married, that won't tell each other that they're having experiences. That's how bad the disconnect is right now in our society. Yeah, and I'm hoping to see it come definitely get wiped out more and more. But I mean, man, that that that's serious to where you can't kind of tell somebody that you're you're going to spend your life with that you've had experiences. Yeah, very yeah. true. Very true. I, I was I was with someone when I had three of my encounters, and although I can't tell you what all happened with them, whether they're on the craft, if they were or what, but they saw these craft. They lost a lot of time, and still to this day, I don't think they've told their um, spouse. <laughs> Yes, yeah, probably. Yeah, thank you. See, yeah, tell I've been married, can't you? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never told their spouse about it. So that right there, you know, that just kind of shows how, I guess, not just intimate, but the fear of being labeled as crazy or these other mm-hmm. things, but it's stopping us from going forward into becoming a type one civilization. If mm-hmm. you remember Star Trek: First Contact. When the Vulcans yeah. came here, everything changed, man. Yeah. <laughs> Can't hide it then, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it's a great movie. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. So, the have you had movie. have you had any experiences with negative beings, negative ETs? You know, I've I've, I've been very blessed, Tyler. No, I've not. I've not. I've had not had anything like that. Sometimes, um, I get startled by just the appearance the appearance mm-hmm. of some of the beings and sure. or waking up not at home or being in an environment that's not normal but they've never they've never assaulted me they've never done any except what i showed the Andromeda council members doing or when i got in the descent chamber where they put that like backpack thing on me i've not been experimented on there's never been a sexual connotation to any of my experiences so that's but that also made me kind of lean that stressed me out when i was younger because when i'm looking to the Main, mainstream all i'm seeing is negative encounters abductees and yeah I wasn't abducted you know what i mean so that never fed in but that caused a lot of a lot of stress but no yeah. and i think that a lot of the positive contact experiences need to be more acknowledged like for example that free organization when they did the i think they did 4800 people they surveyed and out of that, you know, like 90% said they have positive experiences. Really? So I think that that's the mainstream doesn't focus on that enough and it gets drowned out. I know cool. they're not all that. They're yeah. definitely the negative factor there. But the positive needs to be emphasized just as much or more. Because at a certain point, that starts tainted people having experiences, new experiences. 
they start having this and our brain starts interfering with what these beings are doing through the divine field, all of a sudden we're in a bad situation. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And we're yeah. generating it. Yeah. What's interesting is so my experience has started uh, briefly after my mother passed away, but they were all negative. Uh, it was all negative for me at the beginning, but it never deferred me away from it. I still was fascinated with the subject. I wanted to know what was happening. Uh, and then eventually I started realizing that I had, you know, I had an entity attachment that was, that was, I guess, fueling these negative experiences. I don't know. Uh, but I've been, I got over that and, and it started becoming, I started getting the blissful positive experiences that like what you're talking about, the stuff that really you take something from it instead of just fear. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope people listen to that, what she just said. That's heavy. So you actually had an entity that was trying to make you have negative experiences and intercepting whatever was happening originally, right? Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. I think that's very valid. Though people really pay attention to that, you know, because it's, it's easy. We can have something attached to us from a family member. Mm -hmm. And especially we have family members that were battling over land a couple of generations ago. Man, that mm -hmm. stuff following, it, it tracks bloodlines. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. And, and then, yeah, and then, then, so then you've got that, you've got an entity who's just trying to, to attack you in that way. But then we've got the media on the outside that's showing mm -hmm. nothing but everyone getting abducted, everyone laying yeah. on the bed, getting sexual anal probes and all that stuff. So when you start having your experiences, through the divine field, it starts getting inter interrupted by that entity that was doing that to start giving you negative thought forms. So those will start building and start becoming more of a reality for you. Yeah, that, you know that that's a vital, and that that's what they do. And and sometimes I think when we, as people like us, being prime creator people, uh, loving people, whatever we want to call that, all right, uh, we're under constant attack. Mm -hmm. You're aware you're under constant attack and it becomes a method of not just how we shield ourselves. Sometimes that protects us. So what are the other ways and avenues that these forces use to start breaking down your shields and to get in the cracks? And, and, and something important is this protection because I actually, I just had a negative experience like last week or something, uh, maybe a week, two weeks ago. And I, I woke up to this being in my room. It was like a transparent being, but I could see the veins. I could see its veins, its inner structure. It was almost like uh, bioluminescent, but he had this pumpkin head. This was, I woke up and he was in my room and I'm staring at him. Really? And I didn't say anything. And he had this pumpkin head, which I thought was funny. I, I wasn't even afraid of him actually, but I knew he was trying to scare me. And the reason he had Pumpkinhead, I think, is because I was terrified of that movie growing up, Pumpkinhead. Right? <laughs> I, was, I mean, I know, seriously, it gave me, I was so scared of that movie. And I think, I think they portray themselves as something that they know you might have feared as a child. And I actually, yes. I went to my Reiki healer. I just had a session last night and I laid down in the bed and she's like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised to see you like this. I was all out of alignment. I was all blocked up. and. 
Uh, and there was, she said there was an entity, but it wasn't attached. She said, I'm too bright of a light for it to actually attach, but they can definitely make it difficult for you. And that's what was happening to me. And, and she said, have you been doing your protection practices? And I said, I said, not, not like I should. And that's what happens when, as soon as you let your guard down, if there's a moment for them to get in, they'll, they'll try and, or they yeah. will. And they'll make your life difficult, whether whether it's you getting agitated about stuff or just just small things. Uh, it just leads to you know unhappiness essentially. So so practicing that protection is crucial. Yeah, and you know and I tried to mention this at the at the conference too. You know, a lot of times, it not just these entities will do it. Well, so will a deceased person in the house also they'll start doing things to where they can't get to you exactly. So they'll start manifesting into liquids, you know, as in um, start messing with the plumbing of your house, cause you a bunch of problems. They'll jump over into your car, start mm -hmm. messing with the plumbing there, messing your transmission and all these things to stress you out, stress you out. Yeah. There's yeah. another good way to do it is to create financial havoc. And that's, you know, that's, it seems like that's what was happening too. It was, it was wild. Uh, tell, I, had, I had a question. So you said you had a bunch of uh, other negative experiences. Were, were those with grays or something? Were they grays or what kind of beings were they? Yes, I've definitely seen the grays. Uh, definitely seen the grays. Other ones, uh, at the beginning, I didn't see anything. I couldn't see the beings, but it was, it was more of, uh, the sleep paralysis stuff that, but it was, it was becoming, I, it was becoming to where I was afraid to go to bed as an adult because I knew it was going to be a horrible experience. Uh, but yeah, it did involve grades. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting how quickly they come with the negative experiences. I yeah. hear reptilians a lot, but yet when people tell me that I, I haven't met as many, outside of Corey that can tell me they physically seen one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think the people that seem physically grazed, I know that, but reptiles seem a little bit different. And I wonder how much that is the media interjecting that as well. But the gray thing, there's so many, I know there's a lot of different types of them. Like I used to, when I couldn't see some of these beings uh, and they're on the craft, they're communicating with me or they're giving me information, you know what I mean? When I'm in my normal 3D, 3D life, I'd be like, how come I can't see you? Are you grace? You know what I mean? And they'd be like, no, that's not our vibration. And they'd show me certain things about grace, implying that they're some type of an android. Yeah. Bio. Bio bar, yeah. Yeah. Our PLFs, program life forms. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> like, like organic robots, essentially. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I've heard there's those, and then there's also normal being like grays um there's different types of grays um i've heard the 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 uh plfs or whatever the the programmed ones are used by the reptilians to kind of like do their dirty work to kind of abduct people and do their do stuff um stuff they don't want to do basically um I, that's what i've heard it makes a lot of sense you know, you know when i when I first heard, um, first of all, you know, when I first was having contact experiences, I was looking for someone to look like me. And the first person I come into contact or come in, you know, 
Barney Hill, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I started listening to actually their first few descriptions of those beings, I remember Betty Hill saying something about the leading of, leader of these Zetas. She said the leader looked different. She said he had a huge nose. And she kept saying he reminded her of what used to be an old comedian named Jimmy Durante. Jimmy yeah. Durante was that with big old nose. They called him the snodge. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, when you start thinking about that, when you start looking at some of the older, like in Samaria, some of the, some of the headdresses, yeah. and some of them were big noses also. So it oh. just kind of makes you wonder, you know, where that, where that kicks in at what type of a gray is it that has the, the big nose opposed to little ones that we are familiar with. Yeah. It's just, many possibilities i guess and the only beings i've seen that look even remotely similar to that was these andromedans and they weren't gray they were these little blue guys that i mean they were ridiculously little to tell you that they were two feet tall might be pushing it these really? little little guys yeah yeah but they weren't exactly grays either so i don't know where that begins and ends as far as uh As far yeah, as, as far as the body form, as far as I want to say, I want to almost said Adam Cadmon, that's the humanoid form, right? Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I don't know how far as they go as a form. It's just food for thought. But when you start hearing things like um, the gray overlay, and have you heard about that? You guys heard about that? Mm, not, not really. No, I think so. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it, it's when. Uh, you have masseuses, the so people that are doing masseuse and energy work, but especially masseuses saying that they've had clients come in and they start immediately thinking about gray aliens and things of that. And when they're actually have phones in there that are shut off, they start making noises or they'll see like a gray, almost a holographic projection coming up, especially when they're working on the neck. They'll see this come up and they'll just notice it. It's, and like Linda Moulton Howell's the first person I heard mentioning it. And after that, I think she got just inundated with people. And I started having a couple people I know that are masseuses saying they've had some similar like that happen to them. Really? So it makes you wonder wow. with these forms, with these phones and everything, what is that, man? What What is that? Yeah. It's some type of invasion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. already happened. No, I, I don't know. I've never heard that, actually. I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah, they call it the gray. Little Moulton Howe calls, calls it the gray overlay. It's kind of interesting. Check it out sometime. I have had a positive experience with grays and where they're actually, it's all, but I do see like a holographic version of them. It's not actually the physical. It's like, it'll be like a hologram of them in my room. And I've had I've seen that, and so there isn't like like you said there are multiple types. They're not all negative. They're not all negative. Definitely not. There's another interesting. You know, it kind of makes you wonder what is the prime intelligence behind them. If you've got a lot of these grays themselves are bio androids, they're connected to the ship. Them and the ship are one. So that is your cosmonaut right there. Yeah. What is the prime intelligence sending them? That doesn't seem to be addressed very much. That's it's a great question, and I, I don't know how we can answer that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Now, uh, you also talked about some some of these craft having healing abilities, like being on the craft and being able to heal you. 
have you actually experienced the healing yourself or do you think just being on it just kind of naturally gives you like a overall replenishment or you know the, the first time i saw healing uh i didn't count it because i was kind of like in dream body in there i know i was i wasn't there physically and i tended to disqualify those because they just weren't as tangible experiences to me as when I could go up and touch a wall or something like that. But the first time I saw people in this room that just had a bunch of colors in it, they seemed to be floating. And there is uh, like maybe maybe Wenham's on a bed, but they've got like these devices over them and the device is giving a light coming out of it that looks like spider webs kind of. And I have some type of a healing going on, all right? Then the next time I was around this engine, I showed a picture of that. This is a huge engine. It's got three crystals in it that inside of what looks like almost a glass case of a type. But these three crystals have their own bioluminescence coming from the inside. It looks like they're almost wrapped in a type of a copper or something. And they start spinning. And when they start spinning, they create this hum. And they're this deep basal hum. And they're spinning so fast that I almost can't see them anymore, all right? But this uh, being uh, that's floating along the side of the engine that I met before, Xandar, he tells me, he, said, he says, um, that sound, that engine cannot just power legion ships and small planetoids. It can also heal human flesh. So I assume it's the sound I was hearing that could yeah. somehow heal human flesh. And I think also that sound has the ability to also maybe nullify some of the fear coming from us during mm -hmm. the experience itself. Yeah. Whether when it's when we first see the craft or when we're on board it. Um, another example would be an experience before that, another engine, I showed this one also, it looked like it has a honeycomb in the center and it's actually surrounded by like a um, spherical, uh, almost like Saturn type of spheres around it, circular, uh, what do you call it? Uh, rings? Anyway, anyway. It, yeah, yeah, rings, thank you, yeah. So it's moving, all right? And when actually it's projecting a light that's going up completely to the top of this, this craft, and it's going like actually decks above. But on the first deck, when I'm up there, I'm seeing people. Now, they're kind of in dream body where I'm there physically suffering from temporal aphasia. They're kind of see-through a little, and they're touching. They're taking turns going over and touching the living light on this, on this ship, on this deck. And I know what that was. Number one is those people are having astral dream experiences like that not physical one like me because they're not being subjected to the temporal aphasia. The dream energy body doesn't conform to the same physical parameters that this body does. So they're being spared all that while I'm up there, Mr. Physical guy about to throw up, about to lose the whole experience while they're actually touching the living light. And it's interesting to hear a lot of people when they say uh, they touch the light towards one of these engines, it turns into like a worm, like into a black hole, and they have access to the Akashic records. I remember I told wow. you that these are grown over a micro wormhole. So technically, wow. the engine itself is temporally displaced 
and when you when so so it's touching the light body, it's going to be convert to those particles you'd be able to see using that. You know, wow. it says a lot about beings that actually use the wormhole for their source of power source. That's type what type two and type three up. I think type two up. I think is what wow. they do there. So, yeah. Man, just just you talking about that, the level of technology that they've reached is so complex, like for the human race to even begin to understand this in a, in a digestible way is not, it's, we're so far off. And, you know, I, well, maybe, maybe not in the programs, but on the surface level. It's yeah, well, there's been many advanced uh, civilizations in the past on our planet that have gotten wiped out and everything got forgotten. And now we're, it's like we keep having to start over and uh yeah and now we're finally starting to get to a point again where things are ramping up again and we're about yeah. to you know, hopefully have disclosure and and all these because we have all this technology and stuff that is on our planets just all being hidden from us and all being kept secret currently right now it all exists it's just not we have this false mainstream reality that's being perpetuated like Oh, this is all the technology we have, gas, corn, oil. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> all of this other amazing stuff that's just being kept from us. Well, and the spirituality of the planet, of the of the mass population, isn't keeping up with the technological advancement. And when that happens, that that's what ultimately creates the collapse of these civilizations. So right now, that's yeah. why we're seeing this shift occurring where everybody's spiritually being awakened. That's what this awakening is about. Yeah. This has to happen so we don't collapse again. Mm -hmm. We have to start understanding who we truly are because that was a problem in the past. The technology would far surpass the spiritual development. You know, three things, three things of what you two just said come to mind, all right? One is there are two aspects of the technology there I could, I always had a hard time accepting, all right? One is, and it sounds silly, but I'm just going to keep it real. I try to. I've never seen any light, light sources inside these craft. There is just, there, the light just is. Yeah. I don't see any fixtures. That makes no sense, okay? And then number two would be this, the rooms tend to move around you. Like, or, or, or for example, like I see something looks like a window. I'm a curious person, so I kind of, just, you know, so sick, I can't hardly get over there, but just to try to see what's maybe in there, just look through the window, boom, you're in that, you're in that room. Really? Just like that. And then all of a sudden, that, that temporal aphasia increases with that. So, so the distortion's even worse. You know what I mean? So what wow. kind of, what, what kind of energyometry is it that allows the rooms to move like that? Or is it like being digested inside of an organism? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, it just, I always try to figure it out. And the next thing that I bring up is um, what you two just said, and I think this ties into a SETI a little bit also. You know how many orbs you can see out there? Yeah. Everybody trips out on orbs out there. And I saw orbs is a big thing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some orbs, sometimes people have taken pictures of them and say, oh, it looks like there's either a gray alien or some type of a being inside being. there looking out. That takes us into that whole thing of the quantum hologram and the quantum hologram of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And my primitive understanding it is like, if we actually have a maker or I'm sorry, a wormhole, okay, 
and let's say I throw uh, my phone or something in there, as soon as it goes through, there is something on the surface of the wormhole called a mako, the magnetic eternally collapsing objects. And what that does is actually stores the information that is to put in there. And so you have a copy on the surface of the wormhole itself. While the normal, the real phone or whatever it is goes through, there's also a copy on the surface. So that's, that's, that's the quantum hologram. A lot of times you've seen a UFO, there'll be just one there, they'll be doing like that, and all of a sudden there'll be two, then all of a sudden there's one again, then it'll be gone. That's because yeah. it's jump frequency right there, and you've seen the quantum hologram oh. uh, also being exposed, but it can't maintain itself after that. So when we start dealing with that and the fact that we have a lot of these type three, type four civilizations that are using the wormhole itself for their prime power source, they may, they as a civilization may no longer exist and are simply communicating with us through the quantum hologram itself. Wow. You know what I mean? So we, yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah. many things like that. This is what I came into terms with at SETI itself. There's a device out there in this book. I didn't know. That's why, Tyler, I thought that you were the one who was asking me about this Keys of Enoch book that I had uh, oh, brought okay. up out there a couple times. But there's a thing in there they call the ore station in that book. But it, it was describes this type of a Merkabah that can actually uh, be used as like a universal station for several dimensions, all right? And I think that's what's in that, in that, in that, in that mountain out there. I think there's something that kind of scans us when we're on that property. It scans your soul life memories and then will produce an effect. Like let's say, uh, let's say like for me, I never seen a cat being. I had all these experiences, but I never seen a cat being. But during this regression, I wanted to know what beings I've seen, this ship that came right up on me that caused me to miss time out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And once on board, a huge, a huge looking, a lynx looking being that I've never seen anything like that in my life. So, so I had to go through thinking, okay, is this something that I actually experienced with my consciousness? Or was it that this device out there scanned me and then produced a type of an orb technology that got in, in, you know, once an orb of that size, any size, gets in our field of awareness, our biofield, it can change our perception. So I had to think, since I hadn't seen a cat being, did this mountain scan me? I hadn't seen one. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. I mean, I don't yeah. think that's fully the case, but nonetheless, I had to take that under examination, you know, because yeah. that's what's happened out there. I think it's a type of a orb technology and, I know this has got to be right because I was looking at some like equations that Rudy Shields and them were doing, the other quantum physicists. They were trying to attach the quantum hologram to the individual atom. So if that's true, that means it doesn't, we don't have to even see the orb for it to get in our field of awareness to totally change our perception, whether it's seeing a Bigfoot or it's seeing stuff jumping around out there. You know what I mean? Or just crazy dreams. I think it still counts because this is something trying to keep us going forward. That was the part used to be a type one civilization. That's my big theory on it anyway, what I've been able to put the information together. And that's why I want to talk to John about it because John's team had seen a type of a Merkaba crystal device inside that mountain. So we kind of came to the same conclusion 
in a different way. It was kind of cool, you know. Nice. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. It's this is it's fascinating. This is the kind of theories that we theories or information that everyone needs to hear because people have similar stuff all the time that happens, and they can put pieces of the puzzle together now with whatever we might be talking about, you know. So don't be sorry. Cool. Thanks. Man. Yeah. No. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't, is there anything else that you wanted to, to, to talk about while you, while we got you on? No, I also want to make sure I didn't just go so far left and everything and start getting too hyped that I ruined oh, that. Oh, you can, you can never go out. too far with us, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love going okay, cool. as out there as possible. Oh, thanks. We're, Cause we're all three at a SETI, so it's really exactly. easy to just get tripped out on that. For me, anyway, I trip out on that place a lot, man. I can't help it. It's great, I think. Oh, well, <laughs> so many people have been, yeah, go ahead, man. The energy alone there is just like, yeah, like you said, you're just blissed out the whole time because it's just, it's so high energy. Um, I felt it as soon as I got on the ranch. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. This feels <laughs> awesome. <laughs> if you um, notice, it's like, it's like, like a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. You notice we're wearing our, our plastic well, yeah. necklaces we got out there from the ranch. I was wearing mine today, actually. I got one too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> from the Gans man. Gans yeah. man. Yeah. No, I talked to him for a long time, actually, at his table. He was really cool. And he, he like, yeah. further explained all the science behind it and how it exactly works. And they showed us the, he showed me and me and Jace were talking to him. The med bed, or not the med beds, the uh, plasma beds that he had, and he was like, "Yeah, man, just try." I didn't actually. I, I wanted to, but I, I actually didn't. But, um, but yeah, it's incredible. It's like you wouldn't think. It's like it's just this plastic you know, like necklace with some liquid in it. It's like <laughs> no, this is generating a plasma field that's interacting with your field and you know I, I wore it to help get over the stomach virus i had for almost a week so i was really? just laid up and i started wearing that the last two days before i started feeling a lot better so i can't I say that didn't help you know what i mean i definitely wouldn't disqualify it yeah sure yeah you know what's interesting about these is if you go on he said his website to try and purchase one uh it, it has the whole pages of information on the science behind it and all but it never once talks about the healing abilities that it has uh, that we all heard about at the ranch. Yeah. They wouldn't technically be able to sell these or they would get shut down. They would get shut down, you, yeah. Can't, you can't promote yourself as having an alternative healing, I guess, without essentially getting a patent or, you know, maybe I should, maybe I'm saying too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or censorship, right? Censorship, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shadow band. It's like Emory Smith would talk about like these free energy devices. Like he could, if they were to try and patent them, they couldn't claim that they were free energy. They'd have to make up something else. Like, oh, it it kind of helps make you feel better. Or it does something like, like something insignificant. They can't tell you what it really does. Otherwise, it'll just get removed and wiped out. Yeah. Well, the thing about these is like he was saying, like anyone can make these. It's, he's yeah. like, it's not complicated. Anyone can do it. And then you have a free energy device forever because they just, they don't run out. They don't wear out, you know, they, as long as it doesn't break yeah. or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
so he's like and he's like literally you can make um a gans of a pill or of a of (laughs) yeah like like medication that you Uh, and then you have and then you just have the energy of that feeding you and then you don't even need to take it and it's like it's like literally you can make a gans of anything like an orange and then you're getting the energy of an orange there yeah yeah it's amazing because he's like well that's what food is you're actually when you eat food it, your body's turning it into into gans and then and then you're getting the energy from that gans um, and just yeah. just for everybody who doesn't know gans is gas in the nano state gas in the nano state yeah yeah just because state. some people are like what is gans what, what is gans mean what is that <laughs> yeah. yeah and anything monoatomic is what is what uh creates the plasma field is what so that's what gans is it's like monoatomic yeah um you know, or getting, getting the plasma, it's important because, you know, some of the beings that I've seen, like, for example, the, um, those eggs that I described that I showed, you know, some of the things floating around in there, those light configuration were plasma. It looked like, it looked like to me anyway. Yeah. So that says, you know, there are all sorts of different containers for consciousness beyond these. And oh, I yeah. think when we're looking at that, plasma is one that's definitely be looked at high energy plasma and also when dealing with the crop circles as well it's high energy plasma that's making the, the crop circles those mm-hmm. balls yeah the things that they're doing creating the electron avalanches and other things like that in the bent nodes and in the seeds of those those crop i mean that's a lot about our food shortage here it's showing it's these entities are trying to i think communicate that on such a different way and we're just starting to pick it up that that is oh, being, of course, sequestered. That is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great point, though. They're trying to tell us. Yeah. But there's so much. There's who knows what the message of a crop circle actually is. Like we're we're not even scratching the surface whenever we see it, and you know there's energy involved with it. But if we were able to translate it fully, it would just be mind blowing. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think when, when dealing with terms of terraforming and things like if we were to go Star Trek-wise, think about like the Genesis Project, I think you're looking at actually a, a self-activating software with a self-activating hardware system. And when looking at some of the sacred sac- sites, like even Lebeke Tempe, the way it looks yeah. like these tuning forks and stuff, Mm-hmm. And some of the crop circles themselves look like from orbit, they might possibly be not just marking, but they might be complementing each other as different hardware and software. Yeah. Just, you know, for yeah. it's quite possible. It makes Whatever a lot of it sense. is, it's going on for a long time. Yeah. Long time. I was, yeah, I was reading a book, uh, Bringers of the Dawn. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. It's a channeled Pleiadian message from the 80s, actually. But what they said, the original crop circles that first started appearing had no other purpose than to give the mainstream scientist to force him to question reality, to force him to expand what they thought was possible. So it was just a, basically a project to expand consciousness. Yeah. And make people realize that like there's something else here that we can't Greater greater reality than what you're aware of going on yeah essentially that's how they started because 
they knew we would never, never get the message at that point in time. Now we have a much better chance of deciphering this stuff, but uh, that's just something to think about as well. Food for thought, as you like to say. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because something I asked John about extra crop circles, that was before the, the, the video, then we talked about there again. But, you know, he described it the same as the singularity inside of Mount Adams that you can see lighting up there sometimes. Yeah. He said that, especially in that area of uh, England, there's these, um, there's a portal, but also uh, micro portals that are moving around. And what you've got is just from that side, thousands, hundreds of thousands of entities that are trying to squeeze through these singularities all at once. And what happens, however many actually able to get through, when they do emerge on this side, they come out in a collective state of oh. these plasma orbs. Wow, that's and, interesting. And, that's what they, and, then, and then they so they start working collective consciously with the earth and trying to communicate with us. And I think that's that's very interesting, you know, yeah. very interesting because that that it was it says something about what happens when not just trying to bring materials from one dimension to another, but from really an entity trans trans transmutes from one dimension to the other. Mm -hmm. What is it really like when they emerge here? It might not be like what we think. You know what I mean? Just food for thought yeah. again. Yeah. But I'll tell you, that's if that's what happens, and there's several thousand of them emerges that, and it explains why some of these can be negative. You know what I mean? And yeah. my understanding at SETI is you've got those feline beings there, the cat beings that are actually monitoring that singularity to stop all negatives from coming through. Mm. I think that's fascinating. It's fascinating. All of it's fascinating. So I'm going to start wrapping this up, but while we're on ESETI, let's, let's talk about Australia, the ESETI in Australia that Peter Maxwell's uh, Slattery is involved in trying to start up. And I know there's a conference there in January that you're speaking at. Uh, do so you want to tell us about that and tell people about the conference? Yeah, it's a conference. I believe it's, a, I believe it's a three or four days. Um, I it's on my actually on my website or on my uh, Facebook page, and I'll repost that also. Uh, I'll be speaking out there, and also Edge of Wonder will be there. James Gilliam will be there. Uh, it's going to be just, I think, a lot of fun. You know, Peter's yeah. done kind of an Isetti Australia type of a thing out there. Uh, I've never been there. I've never been to Australia, so it'll be brand new for me. Uh, little, nice. little trip down the flight over there, man. That's all right. <laughs> I, would, I would love to go. It's like a 25-hour flight, though. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, that, that may have to take a, what do you call that, a, a, a sedative? <laughs> <laughs> Knock yourself out for 25 hours. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that's, that, that's what's going on there, and it'll be both in, we'll be speaking in both melbourne and sydney as well oh nice so i'll be looking forward to that i will post that uh i'll send you guys a copy of it also so i can get posted yeah yeah thank would, you yeah, yeah that, that that seems like an extremely long flight but it'd be it would be so worth it i would love to go to that conference i just don't know that it's within my means at this time but uh yeah and i think jordan Sather is actually speaking there as well yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right jordan's gonna be there. i'm sorry forgot about it yeah. that's right it's not very big, and those are the ones I like. I like the the more intimate conferences. Me too. Me yeah. Too. Well, well, I mean, at a certain point, if they're too big 
too much is missed. Yeah. And I think that really, in my opinion, when going to these, it's really about interacting with the attendees. Because a lot of times it's the people sitting out there that have had as big or bigger experiences than mine. It's not really about me. You know what I mean? But it brings us all together, gives us a chance to communicate. I think that's really important at those. And sometimes, um, I mean, I haven't been to them, but it seems like some of the bigger ones may be maybe more of a dog and pony show than it is. A, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll put my foot, foot in my mouth. Let me shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. all right. I've been to Contact in the Desert, which is the big, massive one uh, in Palm Springs. And it was cool for what it was, but it's, I like the smaller ones. I, I'm glad I got to experience it once and it was, it was a cool experience, but there's like 4,000 people there and it's just like, yeah, it's, that's big. so many people. Yeah. And so you did, did you really get to learn anything, absorb anything? No, I learned. Just, yeah. I saw some amazing, I mean, I saw David Wilcott, Corey Good. They were there. James Gillen was, was there. This was 2018 when I went. Um, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Some amazing Travis Walton, some amazing people, but to me, I, I like to go to conferences to, like you said, to be around the people and to, it's like, it feels like a family gathering to me, right? Like, like, oh, I'm with my soul family. This is amazing. And I can talk to anyone. And, and so that's why I like the more intimate, smaller ones, because it feels more like, hey, this is like a family reunion, family gathering. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're all just hanging out as a family, right? It's what it feels like. It says it's that they're closer with that family than you are with your immediate family. Exactly. We all feel this connection on this yeah. level to each other. Yeah. Whereas like the bigger conferences, there's people like that there, but it's like you got to seek them out and find them because there's so many people there that you just can't, you're just not going to be able to connect with everyone in that way. It's too much going on and it's, it can be, uh, it's just like too much almost. Yeah. And it's just at a big hotel. And I like the ones that are more out in nature, which is why, I mean, obviously, yeah. SETI, it's just like, that place is so amazing and it's out in nature. You just can't, you just can't <laughs> you know, beat that. Of all of them I've been at, that was by far the biggest one that I've ever been to out there. And he really? said, most of the time I see it's about 150 out there, maybe. This time it was one of them, nearly 350. Yeah, that's what, that's what they said. Yeah. Free yeah. yeah. SETI, that's a ton. Yeah, I've heard because they normally don't have that many uh yeah. yeah it was cool it was great though um oh, anyway yeah. thank, thanks for coming on and doing this it was awesome this was a blast you're fun to talk to so yeah uh, hey thank you, so you guys much. for having me on it's really a pleasure talking to you both it really was oh, same. yeah uh, same same so much fun yeah let's try to keep in touch i really like that definitely yeah, oh, absolutely. You're, you're pretty close, man. So definitely keep in touch, man. Yeah, definitely. well, I'm moving back to St. I'm from St. Louis. I'm moving back in a couple months, but for the next oh, two okay, months, right I'll be on. here. <laughs> yeah, catch up before then or something, man. Yeah, yeah totally, man. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, real yeah. cool. Man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'd be looking forward to seeing what you have up for us next in Australia. Your, your, uh, oh, yeah, your YouTube channel. You have a YouTube channel you want to tell people about? Uh, yeah yeah under Barry Littleton that's actually that's where the majority of my work is right now I have a website but I'm no good with website stuff that that's not like pulling teeth man anyway <laughs> <laughs> my YouTube channels yeah it's about almost 200 videos on there that goes over a lot of stuff including my personal experiences so 
that's just a database for people to try to use if you want. Uh, and that's just, just Barry Littleton. Uh, is that's his name? Your channel, Barry Littleton, or yeah, Barry Littleton. No, no, uh, no handles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. It was been awesome, and uh, I guess we'll stay in touch, hopefully, and we'll see you next time. Thank uh, you, Aaron. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. you. Both. Thank you so Thank much, you night, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Check out Barry's. Uh, pages and channels all that stuff anyway good night guys thanks good night everyone Take care. yeah